HavanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. All right, so what are you talking about? All roads lead to Nykthos? Yeah, I, I think so. I think like every time for the next two years. For the next two years. That someone says, hey, how do you do this ridiculously stupid thing on dirt too? Um, at some point, you got to work backwards from tapping a shrine of Nykthos for whatever amount of mana they need. So, um, I look at this text on my phone. It says, I'm sitting on a bench at Joe. So, I appear. <laughs> and I get there, and Brian's like, hey, turn one Elvish Mystic. Turn two Col- Colonian Hydra. No, yeah, turn- How do you get there? <laughs> I'm like, Your, your I, I voice for me is worse than your voice for your wife. Well, I need to be able to differentiate them. I see. In my imagination. When, I'm not wearing glasses. When they're having a conversation with each other. I need you to do something. How do you get to Nyctos? <laughs> How do you get there? There's a shrine. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a rather convoluted Billy not, from Family Circus path to get it's there. It's not that convoluted. But, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it requires a lot of specific cards. Yeah, like you do. Two. Yeah. So it's like turn one. Turn one mana creature, turn two burning tree emissary into burning tree emissary. You now have three mana available to you from the elf and the burning tree emissary. You play Shrine of Nykthos. So you use two of it into the shrine. Yeah. Tap that, make one, two, three, four, five. You have one floating even, right? Yeah. What a waste. Yeah, yeah. Colonian Hydra, go. Yeah. And then they're like, Doom Blade, you idiot. Second turn. Terminus. You would have gotten what you deserved. Oh my god. I I would not be sore about that at all. I'd be very sore about that if that happened. Come I would call, and I would call a judge. Yeah? Oh yeah, I would totally call a judge. And and um be like, I read an article in nineteen ninety eight by David Price that said there were no wrong threats, only wrong answers. And I feel humiliated. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, Nykthos trying to nix. Nykthos trying to nix. Seems like it's going to be... I, like, I, I've been kind of surprised. Like, I'm, I've seen a couple of, like, brews for decks online today yeah. where people were positing, like, these monocolored decks. I'm like, isn't there almost no downside to, like, running... Even, even if you're not running a deck that's dedicated to having one, but, like, running one or two of them? Like, just... Just to be like, oh, look, I get to get around this syncopate here. Or I get, like, just, like, the mana boost seems like it's going to be relevant. And it uh, seems like, especially in a monocolor deck, the card's never going to hurt you. Yeah, it's not going to hurt you very often, right? Like, what's, like, the furthest extreme is going to be, like, say, a mono black deck, right? Where swamps matter for cards like Corrupt. Right. And, you know, there is some impact there. Yeah, people are already cutting Corrupt in those decks for their... People People caught on to Grey Merchant of Asphodel really quick, Plus, under... What's the name of the journey we like? Journey of the Underworld? Re- yeah, Rescue in the Underworld. Oh, we only talked about that four weeks ago. <laughs> people people are, are definitely on board with that. But literally, that was the first thing we talked about, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... Pat yourselves on the head, Magic Community. <laughs> oh, were you listening to the Top 8 Magic Podcast in Canada? This was in Canada? But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think I think trying try to. I've been wondering about like a couple of different interactions with it. Like one, is there a big red deck? So there's already a big red deck in standard, right? So maybe. maybe. Well, there was. Yeah. In Grand Prix Calgary, a big red deck obtained top eight finish. Okay. All right. So uh, that deck had a lot what of cards. The, what were the attributes of that deck that made it big red? 
uh, no, no cheap cards. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was like, like the cheapest card in the deck was like Hellrider. Okay. Uh, it was like, um, uh, Burning Earth, Hellrider, um, Thunder My Hellkite Ob, and then like, you know, big burn cards. Yeah. It might have had Boris Reckoner. It seems kind of silly to me if they didn't have Boris Reckoner, but you know, it's a defining attribute of a deck to, um, not play the fast red cards when fast red is one of the, you know, viable archetypes in the format. Uh, just make a note that, um, you know, that this deck, you know, already existed and, sure. you know, maybe, maybe Nykthos trying to Nyx would, would reinforce. Is there an X spell we want to play? Well, I, mean, maybe? I don't know about an X spell, but what I've been just thinking about, which feels very sort of classic red to me, like, mm-hmm. it's like, maybe, maybe I should have said like Hunza. Kunza. Kunza? Kunza. Let's not say that again. What? Of all the things we've talked about on the podcast this past two weeks, saying Kunza makes me the most uncomfortable. I mean, really, like, <laughs> think of it as a piece of pizza. What shape is a piece of pizza? What flavor? Shut up. I've just gone off the rails, you, right? Yeah, at some really point. Um, so, what, what, what did Jake Van Lunen say? Like, I'm going to be total. Hold on. This is the Top 8 Magic Podcast. If a fire truck weren't going by, that wouldn't make any sense at all. Okay. So, can you paraphrase what Jake said to us on Facebook this week? Yeah, he was like, why the hell did I stop listening to this podcast? He's like, you have, like, colony hydras and crazy rastas. And, like, he was making up stuff. It wasn't none of it was made up. <laughs> he must have been. That's ludicrous. We wouldn't talk about such things. We're grown men. Uh, yes, one of us are. Yeah. So, like, when we got over to this bench, right, there were, like, two slim women, like, with dogs, right? Like, And then we started dogs. talking about magic cards, and, and they then left. they left. Yeah, so, I was just thinking, like, like, this would be, like, Taya Steele's favorite corner on Earth as well. <laughs> you know, she also likes dogs. Like, all of her um, Facebook posts are, like, dog dog coveting, you know? So, apparently, there's a lot of so, dogs. There's there. a really good, like, wine rider here in the corner, and there were a couple of good dogs and puppies, and... Yeah, so it's just yeah. like yeah, it's it's prime dogs. Dog, it's prime dog real estate. Uh, so anyway, we were talking about like the idea of like a Ponza deck. And so what what are the attributes of a Ponza deck to you? Ponza, to me, Ponza's like avalanche riders and stone Rain. Right. Well, it's like it's like it's like a big red deck that then kind of like that has creatures that, in, in my mind, and maybe I'm I'm wildly off here, that are sort of trump the smaller creatures of the aggro decks. Sure. And then attack the mana of the control decks. So how are they attacking it with, uh... Well, again, you said, like, Avalanche Riders. I mean, you see no people play... Riders. I'm just saying, you see people play Morgan, but Ember Swallower, to me, seems like a very viable card. So you want to go a, a relatively quick like what's Chorus the fastest Reckoner? We could, yeah, what's the fastest we could get an Ember, Ember Swallower online? I mean, we could have... So theoretically, if we had a Frostborn Weird... Uh, a Boris Reckoner and an Ember Swallower over turns two, three, and four. Two, three, and four. So that's seven reds for Nikos right. trying to next. Yeah, right. so we could actually like blow up some lands on on that turn. Float some mana. Float some mana. Yeah. Flip our weird. And then still have a lot of mana. Redirect our. Yeah, and still have a lot of mana to, to do stuff for the rest of the game. You know, assuming your our opponent doesn't answer for a strike. I've also been thinking, what was the, uh, what was the, like, the new... Oh, we're keeping the Nykthos Shrine to Nyx. I didn't yeah. even think about this. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, we're keeping the special <laughs> land up. I'm like, well, we have, like, a mountain resistance. Oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, wait, we still have seven reds. We still have seven. seven reds. I'm sorry. Like, that deck seems good to me. 
Every you always want to play Frostborn weird. I mean, I just use him as an example. I mean, he could be he could be Burning Tree emissary to be honest. I mean, now we might be talking. Like honestly, that card could Burning be Burning Tree is like a busto card, right? Yeah, Frostborn weird. I mean, it just feels like... weird to be using Burning Tree emissary in a deck that's maybe like not as aggressive. Well, what the thing about it is this: like, what if you thought of Burning Tree emissary as a shock, right? Could you him as a shock? Sure. So, like, what if he just well, shot... I mean, you could also go in this deck on turn three, Burning Tree Emissary, Burning Tree Emissary, trying to nick those into Ember Swallower. Okay, so what I'm saying Which is, would be pretty insane. Think about it as a shock for a second, okay? What if it just shocks a Leaf Crown Dryad, right? Because they trade. Sure. Okay? It's just shock. Yeah. It's a shock that gives you some devotion to red. Are we playing Porphyros in this deck? I mean, we probably have to, right? I mean, it sounds like we have a lot of devotion to red and dudes. I mean, the cards I want to play are, like, Young Pyromancer. Like, I mean, I would be down with, like, Young Pyromancer, Boros Reckoner. I mean, these feel, I mean that feels like... Chandra. I, Pyromancer? Yeah, I love Chandra Pyromancer. I love that card. Yeah, that's I, really good. I'm probably going to play a blue-reddish deck in the, my next standard tournament because I love the blue card so much, and I love... I'm just going to win with Chandra. <laughs> well, what else do I need in life? Take sure. one. <laughs> One for you, my friend. I don't know. I don't know. I'm really liking this this, this idea of Ponza. I, I mean, I, I've been uh, I've been spying on people online today. I'm unsummoning that guy that you're. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you are. That's fine. He's unsummoned. I'm gonna scry. Oh, so you upgraded iOS seven? It's I did. beautiful. It really is kind of nice, actually. Is it gonna erase all my apps? It is. No, right? no, it's not. Are you sure? Yeah. So I mean, nothing of mine was affected. Like, do you have, like, high-level Infinity Blade 2 characters? Because I do. I don't. Okay, so... I don't. I'm mostly afraid of high-level Infinity 2 Blade characters being erased. Comic books I'll have to re-download. I have, like, 40 unread comic books right now. Because there was an Adventure Time sale last week. I ordered, uh, downloaded DI $1 Adventure Time comics. And then there's a there's currently, right now, a Valiant Comics sale. You could get, like, every Valiant comic on Comicsology for a dollar. Wow. I mean, I was a huge Valiant fan, like, back in 92 or whatever, and they've done the Valiant relaunches. And... The reviews of the Valiant relaunch comics are, like, universally identical. They're like, this is just, like, the most consistent, best-hitting superhero comics on the market. Nobody cares. <laughs> it's just, like, all one sentence. They're like, wow, yes, that last issue of Harbinger was, in fact, a five-star comic. Don't care. <laughs> well, I can't think of a better comic than Bloodshot. <laughs> Too bad no one reads it. <laughs> it's interesting, you know? Like, yeah. all, all the reviews are identical. They're like, every single Valiant comic comes out as excellent. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, you know? Yeah. You've, you've, you've heard these as well? I, I, I know they're there. I haven't, I haven't read them. I just caught up to Hawkeye, dude, and I still have to read Lock and Key. Okay, Lock and Key is the best. I know, I Hawkeye know. is also the best. I know. Not as good as Lock and Key. Okay. And then Hawkeye, Lock and Key, Daredevil, American Vampire, Chew. I've read American Vampire. I like it. I need to go back. I like. I, I need to read Chew. Chew's so I've really good. enjoyed Scout. I haven't read Scalp yet. Scalp's pretty good. I read, like, the first two trades. Uh, there was I really a, enjoyed it. I need to go back and get it. There was a Sweet Tooth sale, like, a few months ago, yeah. so I just bought every That's Sweet Jeff Tooth. Jeff Lemire. Yeah. Yeah, I like Jeff He's Lemire Canadian. Stuff. I like his stuff a lot. I, I really enjoyed his, uh... I read the first few issues of... Animal Man? Of Animal Man. That was one of the only New 52 books I picked up. Like, I picked up that, and I picked up... I picked up Scott Snyder's Batman based on Viking American Vampire. Yeah. I didn't really like it. You know, it's like the best-reviewed comic, I don't though. Really People like his, love it. I don't really like his Batman. I don't even know what it is. It was just like, eh. I, I feel like his Batman is not competent enough. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, like, Batman, you feel like he's supposed to be the most competent man in the world. You know, Grant Morrison's Batman's, like, really competent. Right? And, like... Scott Snyder's Batman is supposed to be the world's greatest detective and he's being fooled by like regular people 
don't like it. Yeah. So, can, can we beat this deck? Who's this, we? We. I, by, with, with either your blue red deck or right, my so big red deck. Talk, talk. So this is Adam Yurchik. Adam Yurchik, I respect him. Yeah, he's one of my he's one of my favorite deck designers. Uh, just someone who's... I really love his approach to new formats. Uh, and I, I enjoy his writing in general. I like him a lot. Yeah. Uh, so he's just got a... He's got like a very aggressive red deck that he's posited today on like uh, Brain Burst. TCGplayer.com. TCGplayer.com, I'm sorry. Uh, Ash Zealot, Boris Reckoner, Burning Tree Emissary, Fire Drinker Seder, Fire Fist Striker, Warhouse Chainwalker, uh, Four Fanatic of Mogus, which is sort of like the Grey Merchant of Asphodel of Red. Which one is that guy? He's the 4-2, and then when he comes into play, he deals damage to your opponents equal to your devotion to Red. Oh, he was the, the weird Flame Tongue Cavalry. Yeah, but he doesn't do creatures. He yeah, just okay. does opponents. Uh... Porphyros, God of the Forge, three, four Rakdos, Cackler, then uh, a Dynacharge, two Hammer, Porphyros, 22 Mountains. No, this deck's way too expensive for 22 Mountains. There's tons of four drops in this deck, right? Am I missing something? Well, I guess, oh, I mean, yeah. There's tons of four drops in this deck. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So that's nine. Nine times four. 36. 36, 38, yeah, this is 22. And a Dyna Charge? A Dyna Charge. I don't know. I mean, he's just looking to be super aggressive. I, I feel like it feels weird. I love to this to... iOS 7. It's gorgeous. Um, Jake Van Lunen also put together a mono-red aggro deck. Oh, you're asking if we can beat these decks? Yeah. We can beat these decks. Rakdos Cackler, Fire Drinker, Seder, Foundry Street Denizen, Burning Tree Emissary, Gorehouse Chainwalker, Fire First Striker, Boris Reckoner, also Fanatic Amaga. So this sounds like a lot of people who are really, like, solid deck designers. They're like in Fanatic. They're, they're really like, they're like, oh, this card. You know, they're, they're, they're starting out at four. They're not, like, tepidly dipping their toe into the Fanatic Amagas. They've got their, their they've got foot their all the foot way in. in. Yeah, they've got yeah. their whole foot in there. <laughs> Wiggling it around. <laughs> What was the name of the team that we played with uh, with Tim McKenna? And Tight, Boston? huh? Tight, huh? You guys have put that together yourself, <laughs> Canada. Uh, they actually let us play with that team name. Four Fanatic Yeah, we were in our 30s already, oh, all yeah. three of us, when oh, we decided yeah. oh, to yeah. do this. Yeah. Three Rubble Belt Maka, which is an interesting card. I like that card a lot. Which one's that guy? It's like a Hell Giant that has um, Bloodthirst for just R, plus three, plus three. It's from, it's from uh, Gate Crash. I don't remember. For Dragon's Maze, I should say. Uh, one Madcap Skills... Two hammer perforos, one mutable, and then twenty-one mountains. He's also on twenty-two lands. What's up with these? Yeah, I think I could beat them because they're not going to draw their lands. Well, they only have the only, the only four drop they really have is is fanatic amagus. I, I guess I have to cancel something. The rest of their deck is too fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you think these decks will be hard to beat? They don't have a lot of reach, do they? I don't know. No, I don't. I, I, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, they don't. They certainly don't have a lot. I figured you'd have a lot of. But I feel like you could build a deck that's just going to be get rid of the smaller creatures, play some. Sweepers, you could play like I, mean, I don't I'm know. Like I, could take out, I could take out like eight of these creatures and play four Anger of the Gods in that spot. Well, I was thinking I was just gonna play like Magma Jets and yeah. Unsummons, and I mean I have like a bunch of card drawing, right? Like it was, my Chandra can shoot some of these guys to death, right? Oh yeah, my Chandra shoots a lot of them to death. I mean, they have Burning Earth in their sideboard, I assume. They do have Burning Earth in their sideboard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jake, Jake didn't really post a positive sideboard. He just Got to like, respect the Burning what, Earth. What about this? I mean, I don't know if people remember. There's this card called. I just want to anger the god to fire, you know, fire drinker satyrs. I mean, 
There's ratchet bombs, though. Like, they got ratchet style. Was that, ratchet bomb... It's in M14. Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah, that deals with one-drops and, and burning earths oh, pretty, pretty effectively. Nice. It's a pretty nice card. It's a pretty key card. What, what do you think about the... I'm not going to remember the name of the stupid card. No, it's an M14. It's like the fixed tectonic edge. Oh, encroaching waste. Encroaching waste. Very nice. Good, what? good recall there. Um, you know, uh, Willie Edel played one in his modern deck. Yeah, could you do you see that? Like, I mean, if people are like, if every deck has access to Gaia's Cradle or Cabal Cradle, whatever you want to call, do I think that that it's worth playing? Yeah, I don't think of everyone as having access to Gaia's Cradle. I think of casting Anger of the Gods and so them having access to Squat. Like, I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I mean, also, I think by Quicken the way, is a thing. I'm about to cast Quicken. That's also what you know. You keep saying, is, it, "Is this like is it fast effect speed?" So you tap your Nykthos trying to Nix, and I go Quicken Anger of the Gods in response. How much mana are you making? Probably none. None, right? Like I that's, think I don't know. Is check on resolution. I don't. know. I have no idea. I'm not a judge. I don't. I don't even know the rules. Yeah. Um, so nothing happened when you upgraded iOS seven. No, nothing. I did it on my phone and my. That thing's gorgeous. Yeah, it really is nice. It's going to erase my this? Infinity Blade characters. That's the new... You don't want to know what my iOS is. It's like 4.6. <laughs> you might lose stuff. Just... So, so, I'll tell you. So I went to Comic-Con like two years ago or something. And like, so I decided I was going to do, quote, Comic-Con coverage. By Comic-Con coverage, I mean for myself, right? Yeah. So by Comic-Con coverage, I was just like taking pictures of certain people that I was sure. going to make like... A panorama of, right? Then I was like, oh, a new iOS. <laughs> I was just like, I hit OK when I stuck my phone in the, in the, in the um, you know, in the iTunes. And then all of my Comic-Con pictures were disappeared away. Yeah. So after that, I was like, no more updates. No more updates at all. It was like, cool. Like, you know, like, whatever mannequin of Obi-Wan Kenobi my kids were standing next to yeah. was lost forever. Whatever cosplayer who was pretending to be the 10th doctor my child was wearing a fez hat lost forever that's too bad but there were a lot of you know starter decks and my daughter refused the green and the white ones <laughs> she was just like i'll take an extra blue but you can keep that white deck <laughs> I was, I was pretty proud of her you know yeah. my son is just stuffing as many starter decks as he could fit into his pockets yeah. into his pockets you know she's, she's like green um, that's, that's probably the green starter deck is big creatures below average for for starter for, for like you know yeah the red one's not bad no no red ones are red's always gonna be pretty good the blue one is just oppressive it has like aether adept <laughs> you're, you're like starter decking some like horrible six cast creature they're like aether adept you they're like oh my goodness this isn't fun at all so Going back to how did they invent this beautiful thing? I'm sorry, I'm just distracted. This is by just it. notepad. It's the notepad. This now? is just the notepad. I sent. <laughs> I literally sent like a thank you letter uh, that I wrote in my phone uh, notepad, and then I copy and pasted it into. Uh, oh, into like into like Gmail. Into Gmail, like in the. And then it app. came out in that weird cartoon font. Yeah, but I, it, did, it didn't show me that it was in the cartoon font in the in the Gmail thing. It was only like when I saw like they yeah. responded back to me that I, I had Comic Sans. So suddenly you look like a Dan Gilbert. As a prospective employer, I'm like, oh my god. Thank God I'm a genius at this stuff. <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is gorgeous. I don't know. 
All right, so these red decks, I think we can beat them with Magma Jet. Okay, yeah, it seems, I mean, the Magma Jet and Anger of the God, it seems like it's just going to be brutal to just play a creature deck in general. I mean, they're going to overwhelm you, right? They have, like, so many little creatures, you only have four Magma Jets. Sure. And, like, if you, like, it's not, it's never profitable to, like, bounce a Fanatic Amogus or bounce no. a Burning Tree Emissary, right? Like, you might be forced to do so. So. Yeah, I like Anger of the Gods. But one of the reasons I like Frostborn Weird so much right now blocks. is also not just well yeah blocks it's like super cheap, um, but it's like it's also for toughness it's like it lives through a lot of stuff too like Angry of the Gods like Angry of the Gods it's pretty tough to kill you know with one spell like you probably need to trade a creature and a spell for it if you want to if you want to you know deal with it <laughs> no it's not trading the creature the creature is going to bounce off of it's it gonna and you're going to use a spell creature. it's going to be some terrible because you, you, you think he's going to get in a lot of tussles with Firefist Striker. Yeah, I want I mean, you to go back and look at those deck lists yeah, for a second. Yeah, um, Firefist Striker. Yeah, uh, what, what, what do you think about updating the Angelic Accord deck? I'm done. I'm dying. Yeah, sure. But, like, we just go heavy black. Like, we could actually just play Grey Merchants. Well, what do we need white for? A- Angelic Accord. Angelic Accord. We just need it for Angelic Accord. We, we keep trading post. We could play, like... We need trading post, dude. It's just... Just the witch... The witch cards are so good. Oh, so just play mono black with the witch cards? I like white cards. I think of it... Because, like, Orzhov Charm lets you rebuy... Lets you rebuy the... The Festering Newts. The Festering Newts. Which, if you've never played the Barber Witch deck, you probably think that we're stupid by saying that. But you just... If you just, like, play against an aggro deck and you go, like, Festering Newt block, like, the artifact thing, and they don't kill your Barber Witch, they're dead. Like, if you've never played, it's, like, it's actually sickening. You have yeah. these, like, horrible, like, joke combos that's put in an M14. You're just, like, block, shoot you, block, shoot you. Keep searching, block, shoot yeah. you. And then they're, like, did I just take 12 damage from <laughs> from this stupid thing? Like, and the, literally, the limitation under your deck is that you only have four Festering Nudes. Right. And you wrecked him on turn one with one, right? So, you know, he plays, like, some awesome undercosted creature, and you're just, like, Festering Nude. Block, kill your other guy. You know, like, ugh. The worst. It's the worst day of my life. And that's, and that's really the best scenario for them with the festering new. Yeah, I mean, because you're just like machine gunning them for, for four every time. Yeah, once you have the cauldron, it just yeah, gets like, disgusting. So it's a. Uh, yeah, I think rebuying is good. Um, I I had so much more luck with the bog brew half of the deck than with the because angelic half of the deck. Like, if you go off with it, you're gonna win. But it's sure. like every piece is four mana. Well, or it's, in some cases five because I was playing with. Archangel of Thune, too. Yeah, like, I thought your deck that was, was mono-white version, I actually like that yeah. one better than the original Angelic Accord deck that I made. But, like, I, I I don't think either of those decks is, like, particularly elite. But, you know, the, all the decks are going to be worse. I mean, all the decks we're talking about now, though, were pretty soft to a Sphinx's Revelation. So, but I think they, all of the the versions that I'm thinking about right now are all yeah, probably he, pretty good against a blue red base control. I mean, and and the thing is, we also we also get to run Arabos if we're really worried about like losing to a Sphinx's Revelation. Or I, I was just thinking about the card advantage of the Sphinx's Revelation, not the uh, not the other half. Uh, we're gonna get them. No, you're just gonna run out. They're gonna kill all your dudes and have like seven cards in hand. Does this never happen to you? Where there's no. like Sphinx's Revelation, untap. Supreme Verdict with, like, Cancel Mana open? No. That's never happened to you? No, no. In your life? Never. The only thing I ever lost to with the Angelic Court deck was uh, Strobkirk Noble on turn one. 
Yeah, the festering new version. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's just like I just, just played it over, like, and over and over and over again. Our I was experiences like, yeah. of what beats the deck yeah. is so so vastly different. I'm like, oh no, it's drum corp. No, but you're like, oh no, Sphinx is Yeah, but like the tenth time I beat like literally like you know the the green red deck that had just won an open that weekend, I just like beat it again, and I just like these these games aren't even close. Like, yeah, you're just like you're just like new, like first turn new, like second turn. Um, you know, uh, cartel aristocrat. Like, whether you block the dude, now you have, like, a dude and a cartel aristocrat, they're just doomed right there. They're like, no place. <laughs> Can't attack, like, attack blows them out. Removal spell blows them out. Like, they have no place, and they're like, go. And then you're like, third turn life bane zombie. And you're just like, take that. And they're like, ugh. Alright, attack with everything. You're just like, trade Z's. Tradesies, tradesies, like leave this up, eat this thing, kill your other thing. And then they're like, all right, untap Hellrider swing, and you're like, hold, Restoration Angel, blink my life, bane zombie, take your, take your like drag test or whatever you had in your hand, block your Hellrider. And then it's just, it's kind of disgusting. The deck was like actually very good, and I don't know, man, Restoration Angel, I'm gonna miss her. Yeah, she's she, a I, fun one. one of, I mean, that and drag test are like. Two of the hu- huge craters in standard left to be filled. I think Thragtusk to me is you know, there's always a big awesome green but the creature, week, you know. But, but like the week that people discovered Thragtusk, it was just like the first week that yeah, it was played. Yeah, it just it was immediately one that it was went just, open. It was that just weekend. so devastating. It was so good against uh, Vapor Snag. Yeah, that's like that was the reason yeah, yeah, why, yeah. right? So. You know, either you can't. And it, was, and it was so weird, right? Because at that point, standard is dominated by Delver decks. Delver decks, like cards that cost converted mana cost one, right? But, and then suddenly, well, you're so five. Either you, either you have the. Uh, I remember Cedric was playing it with Dead Eye Navigator for a while. I don't remember this, uh, but I remember cool. Jake had, uh, Jake had like, you know, a, a Naya deck with uh, Cavern of Souls, and you just resolve your Thrag Tusk, and they're doomed, right? Yeah. Or Cavern, Cavern of Souls is another. Yeah. Fairly significant crater in the format. If I recall, the first open that, that weekend that Thraxus was equal was won by Caleb Durward playing a pod deck. So if you get the pod down, right, you just pod up into the Thraxus and right, then yeah, yeah. they're not stopping it. Or it's just going to chain into a... I'm going to say the word Titan, but Titan, whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever the, the Titan six is. Was, yeah. yeah. Um, just someone, uh, speaking of opens, Brian Sonic, who's like uh, open... He's done. You mean done. the inventor of Wolf Run? Yeah. Yes, I'm yeah, aware of okay. who he is. I'm just making sure. <laughs> uh, I, in fact, mentioned him in my retrospective of uh, of Keswick Wolfrun rotating oh, yeah? last week. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I was like, yeah, I mean, it was so exciting watching him because his deck was just so obviously better than everything everyone else yeah, was working yeah. on. Like, I mean, no, all respect to, to Brian, but, like, he wasn't playing Optimal Magic at all. All through that open, and he was crushing everyone. Like, uh, just tap all my mana and kill you. And like, I, I, I remember, you know, there be, would be players who were like, just throw a doom blade at, at at a creature, and then, um, I'd look at their deck list and I'd be like, well, he doesn't have enough doom blades to cover all the, all the primeval titans in this deck now. Like, there's just not enough removal. He's eventually going to lose to, you know, an, an ink moth nexus, right? Like, he can't just like willy nilly throw. One of his removal spells against this non non essential creature, just because he had spare mana, he's just like, all right, kill this thing, and it, it was just basically a hundred percent ensuring that he would die to a an Ikmafle Nexus later. I'm using the word Doomblade interchangeably, sure, whatever yeah, 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 yeah. whatever removal was relevant at the time. I got gotcha. you. So yeah, so he, he has a deck that he's yeah he, yeah he posted a black white deck mostly mono black. Where did he, he post it? it? 
uh, on his own uh, blog. I didn't know he had one. Yeah, he just he just, just updated a ton, but he just like. But posts, you found it. He tweeted about it too. Okay. I follow him on Twitter, so uh, so he's playing. Looks like twenty five lands, seventeen swamps, and then eight black white lands. Eight duels, sure. Uh, four life main zombie, four gray merchant of Asphodel, two obes that at ghost council. All good cards. Uh, four thought seas, four underworld connections. One read the bones. One Farika's cure. Your your uh, your friend vicious hunger and instant speed. Two doom played. Three heroes downfall. Three merciless eviction, which is the uh, six mana. Yeah, infinity mana. Make your own kind of like chroma's vengeance. Yeah, and then uh, four corrupts. That seems like an expensive deck. It does seem expensive, but like doesn't. doesn't I'm not sure who he's good against actually. You can be rushed. And you can all, in, if you're not, if you have there's no duresses in his main deck, right? No. I feel like he's just going to lose no, to his a blue-red deck. his sideboard deck. is like Duress, Read the Bones, Erebos, Doomblade, Blood Baron of Viscopa, which seems to be like a perfectly fine main deckable card as well. So, Blood Baron of Viscopa, Angelica Cord is just like, <laughs> I mean, if we're going to go there, we could go there, but that could be our destination. Well, it's kind of where I was thinking about a little bit here. You know, th- this to me felt like I kept looking for Angelica Cord. I think you kind of do you not need it here? I don't know. I like, love Life Bane Zombie. I think that card's just so sweet. It's the first time I saw it. I was just like, this is such an insult to the memory of Slithery Stalker. Oh, oh. It's just, it's it's just so brutal. good. It's so hard to stop. Like, you know. Yeah, and it's going to, I mean, this card's actually going to be even more problematic, right? Like Whip of Erebos. Like the ability to just whip back your... Life Infinity Bane Life Bane Zombie. Well, you only get to do it one, right? You exile the creature. Infinity Life Bane Zombies. Eight or eight. You know, you get to, like, whip it back. I mean, I guess it depends who you're fighting against. Yeah. Whipping back a Grey Merchant's also pretty good. I agree. Can we... Oh, wait. It's anywhere, though, right? So there's no Trixies around it. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, 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 the yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no... There's no blinking. There's okay. no... You know, it is it is Sky Games t- to the max. <laughs> this will be done at Sorcery Speed on your own turn. Every other <laughs> turn. Not in extra turns, though. <laughs> <laughs> You will do it during your main phase. I mean, I took, I took sorcery speed on I, your own turn. I took some extra turns at the pre-release. Yeah? Yeah. You want to bust out your pre-release? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh... So, I don't know if you... So, so it's kind of interesting. Like, people had this option of choosing a color... Yeah. ...that they were going to play, and then you get, like, a starter... You could choose your color. You choose your color. You and chose so green? I chose white. Oh, okay. Well, your so, box is green. I didn't yeah, see the gigantic the boxes, white all the boxes mono symbol green. there. Uh, and the, re- the reason I chose white is because you get to play with... I probably should have chosen red. Yeah. Because you get to cho- play with your promo card. In which case, for white, is Celestial Archon. So Celestial Archon is like the Sarah Angel, right? Right. It's it's like Bane's... It's like I, the Bane Sarah Angel. I like... Oh, I like these card back sleeves. I've oh, never yeah. seen these before. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I got them at some, some event. Am I a buffoon? Don't answer that, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, flying first strike. Oh, this has bestow as well. You yeah. tell me. Bestow turns out to be pretty good. In limited. Yeah, in limited, it's really good. I think leaf crown drives. And actually, I thought about it more. The uh, the Lurgoyf creature. Yeah. Is sweeter than Sweeterson. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. I mean, just like running it on like you're just like removal, removal. Like if it takes like turn six, right? And you're like kill, 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 three thing, go. Yeah. Like, you actually could do multiple things in one turn. Yeah, I, th- I think, like, maybe some of these, this this deck that Brian Sinek was posting might benefit from that card. So, 
be. I've been thinking but a lot. You also get to put it on your like on your life bane zombie. Oh, I could live with that. <laughs> You're like, oh. It's a lot of threes, though. I like my decks have just all cheapy cheapies, you know? Um, I definitely... Oh, you, I see you have the, the, the unicorn. I, I definitely undervalued Opaline Unicorn yeah. when I when we were doing our review. And, in fact, when I did my sort of um, my column this week yeah. or last week at this point, I had, like, um, first picks for each color, which were commons. Yeah. And I, I didn't first pick the unicorn. I first picked, like, Featherfleet Sandals or something. Yeah. Uh, it's it's, it's the wrong. unicorn. I mean, I, I will actually first pick the unicorn. I could see so, myself doing traveling it. Traveling philosopher. I don't even remember the name of this card. What is this? Just a bear? It's just a bear. It doesn't even have bestow. It doesn't have anything. I just call it the bullshit artist. Mm-hmm. Hundred hand one. You, you played with like all your rares. I played with some of my rares. Yeah. It's like all. This all. Did you win the pre-release? I won four. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, just look at this. Like oh, three three gigantic rare creatures. You must have won. Yeah, Meta, Meta by the Ancient was insane. Unlimited? Yeah, yeah go figure. Is it figure. the Ancient? Or is it the Ageless? The Ageless. Prescient Chimera? Was yeah. this guy awesome? That guy was pretty good. He, he looks was, pretty awesome. He, he was pretty good. Ordeal of Thassa. Oh. The ordeals are really good. Unlimited, yeah. Yeah. Especially that one drawing. <gasps> God's willing, was it so good? <laughs> yeah, it was really, it was everything, it was everything I ever imagined. It was, it really was, it was insane. That's going to the show notes, I imagined it's everything I ever imagined. Yeah. I, I, oh. I, I got I to do it, it so to much. save my Prescient Chimera and scry twice. Oh my god. Oh. It's like the first time I saw two things I hate about you. <laughs> it was pretty insane. F- Phalanx, that's... So Fernando and I were just... Uh, Fernando showed up at the pre-release and he was watching me play. And uh, he was just like... Oh, you had two Phalanx I had two Phalanx Oh my god. <laughs> two Vapor Kid? This guy's better than just like all the players. Yeah, yeah, he's just so good. Or welcome turn. Wave crash Triton is insane. Also, so like I did, I did some pretty. Oh, hard. you had two gods. Yeah, I did. Oh, two this is like so. Brian's deck. Forget about the other thirty-four cards or whatever. He's got double gods willing, celestial archon, hundred handed one, and meadow my the ageless. So basically, if he's not mana screwed, he gets to like five or six. You're dead. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you can't win. <laughs> And he has, like, just good guys, like, a bunch of two and three drops. To I have, I have, and Thassa's Emissary was good, I assume. Yeah, Thassa's Emissary was great. All the, all the Emissaries are really good. The white one that, like, taps a creature when you attack. Yeah. Yeah, I guess Heliod's Emissary. Yep. Is absolutely insane. Would you call it bonkers? I would call it bonkers. So did you also have to, like, choose a, a road to victory I, I or whatever? I chose the Path of Honor, but... Uh, did you win? I don't know. No, you don't win yet. <laughs> Yeah, you know. You, you have to go to a follow-up tournament. You gotta come back. <laughs> you gotta come back. I, uh... It was really interesting, though, because I really wanted to play red. Because I had... Yeah, oh, because your your deck was just redonkulous, I had, though. So I could have played a Crone Crusader, Ordeal of Pophros, uh, Flame Speaker Adept with, like, all those scries. Wait, so you played a perfect blue-white... Agro Control Flyers deck, and you just want to like dip your toe into yeah. garbage. I had Lightning Strike. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. This I card mean, also seems really good. Tri- Titan Strength. Uh, so sight, all, all, all the all the Scry cards. So, sight unseen. Long, long view. Okay. Yeah. Working against any given limited format throughout the ages. Someone says to you, Brian. I'm going to give you the tools. You yeah. tell me what you want. Okay? Yeah, okay. You're going to have a good red tempo deck with, like, I don't know, 
three or four of like the really good common removal cards of red in the format that we're playing in. All right. Or you could have a really good blue-white aggro controls fire deck, and you could have like three or four rare creatures. Are you really <laughs> telling me that you would pick <laughs> the, the I mean, red deck? I like the removal. I mean, the red deck is much more liable to go two one, right? Sure. But the, like the blue-white deck is much more liable to win a tournament. Yeah, I. I mean, theoretically, with the unicorn, and I had. Um, I had the new, like, Shimmering Grotto-type card as well that I didn't play because I was just two-color. Yeah. Like, I probably could have built it blue, I mean, white-red, and splashed the Metamai and something, you know, off of, like, two blue sources. Yeah. You know, but... I mean, your deck was too good. It was really... I was so... I mean, you had white-white two-drops, though. You don't want to mess with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Triton's Tactics? Like, I, I feel like that card's just insane. It might be, like, constructed playable. Were we talking about this last week, right? Uh, might be? Yeah, it might. It really might be, though. I mean, I mean it's, it's such a powerful card but you in terms need, of its flexibility. But you need your... Like, you need your deck to be in these colors, and you need your strategy yes. to be coherent, right? Like, like, there's all kinds of cards that, if a strategy existed, you would want to play, right? Like, think about them. Like, but what if I... What if I... What if I gave plus zero, plus three to my Frostborn Weirds? I am imagining exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and, I, and I'm cautioning you <laughs> as to this current level you're of enthusiasm. You're trying to talk me in off the ledge? I mean, <laughs> let me just put it to you this way. You could play a bunch of horrible cards so that if you got them together, they would be less effective than the two mana I just spent to use a magma jet on my opponent's two drops. I just see Triton's Tactics as, as a card that could, you know, save you from Anger of the Gods... That gets to you just don't play creatures. You're just not going to fall into this trap. That's a that's a very valid like, strategy. I think that they made. I mean, the red decks might be fast, but they're like I just look at these red decks. They're just so much worse than the red decks we played eight months ago. Where that were either the red or the black based decks that were just like two twos for one, and then like am I am I crazy? Insane three drops. Am I crazy to want to work on the I, the deck I really want is the sh- shrine to ember swallower deck. Like I wanna, I wanna like so turn an Ember Swallower on on turn five. I, I think Big Red is a viable strategy, most likely if control decks are, are like, pretty good. You also get to like in that same deck, you also get to kick like Mizium Mortars on turn four you, or five. So are you sure you'd rather do that than just Burning Earth people? That's the thing. Like you just got like threat, threat Burning Earth. They don't win. Like I can play Burning Earth in that deck. Yeah, I agree. If you want to have a hundred force. I guess you could play 104. It's a big red deck, right? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the idea, right? Isn't that the idea of a big red deck? That yeah, it's but threes the and Signets cost three now. But I'm not like, gonna, I don't think I'm going to play Signets. Really? Yeah, I think it's all, all you're all in on Shrine. I don't know. Some of them are good. Yeah. Like, I can also see scenarios where you're like, Shrine... Like, no one games with Clue Stones, right? Like, no. zero Clue Stones constructed. Where you go, activate Shrine... To turn on Ember Swallower's monstrosity. Yeah. Because it sack three land, but everybody sacks three Everyone land. loses three. Everyone loses three lands, and you lose your shrine. Yeah. And then and you're like, you play another you're shrine. Like, oh, shrine. Yeah, yeah, I figured that part. And because I was confused when you said that you were going to keep your shrine, right? Yeah, so. yeah. And then you do something disgusting on that level. That wasn't disgusting. <laughs> that wasn't disgusting enough, I'm sorry. It's like when you're playing the Aristocrats, right? You're like, I'm waiting for the infinite combo. <laughs> there is no infinite combo. Take two. Yeah. I'm just gonna kill you. Like, yep. I just want to. I just want to paint a picture for you. Turn one, festering new. Yeah. Turn two, cartel aristocrat. 
though. <laughs> like, uh oh, what's he playing? Is he no, playing the is, is he playing the witch? Does he have Angelica Cord? I mean, there's a way. I mean, <laughs> is he playing the witch? I've got the witch. I've got the cauldron. I've got Life Bane Zombie. That's, maybe I'll play that. That's, that's probably pretty fun. Just aristocrats ish. Black white. It's like. Bog Brewers to Kratz. I mean, am I really gonna not play Steam Augury? I just can't imagine not playing like Steam Augury, Chandra, and, and Magma Jet. Those are my three favorite cards. Well, what else? Do, what else do you want from Blue besides Steam Augury? Cancel. Whatever. What's a cancel called? Dissolve. Dissolve, and then the bounce spell I love. Maybe Voyages End. Yeah. yeah. Voyages End was a frustrating card to play against. In the pre-release. Yeah, I mean, imagine you're playing against a deck that I often draw. had to counter it with God's Willing. I just want to play God's Willing. I think it's like, here's the thing. I would love to play God's Willing in a mid-range just green-white deck. But then, I mean, even if I won the tournament, I would just be kicking myself all day that I wasn't casting Steam Augur. You know, like, just like, ugh, I could have just drawn three cards. <laughs> Is, I mean, we still have Syncopate, right? Syncopate still? yeah. It's a thing. I'm just saying you can syncopate, steam augury. Like, that's also kind of a nice use for shrine. Like, am I going to syncopate seeds? Yeah, they're like doing something. You're like syncopate for a lot. Am I going to do that instead of is it charming it? Uh, is it you don't see this, but I'm biting my my, my lower lip. You're actually, biting your hand like oh squiggy and Laverne Shirley. It's so filthy. Everything's filthy. So dirty. Drawing so many cards. So what's that? I just want to talk a little bit more about Shrine. Yeah. What's the best color to pair it with? Green or black for sure. Agreed? I think so. I mean, green green gives you the biggest opportunity to... Do busted to, stuff? To, to busted stuff. But black has, like, really, really high incentives for uh, for devotion to black stuff, right? right? Like, Grey Merchant of Asphodel. I saw people playing... I saw people online today playing with the uh, the the... The demon that makes tokens online. Well, not online. I'm sorry. I saw people po- positing oh, lists. Like, these cards are ready. No, no. no. <laughs> I might have to oh, update they are. my mode. I mean, if you have the beta, yeah. if you have the magic online or be- open beta, they're playing with it. Shut I, up. I know. I'm sorry. The beta. Lol. Work. This is Canada. <laughs> we don't play the beta in Canada. No, we're waiting for the magic online revised. <laughs> <laughs> I want the unlimited version first. Then maybe we'll talk about revised. So here, here's something weird. So I go to the pre-release this weekend. I'm at the complete strategist, and it just occurs to me that it's like basically 19 years since I went into that store to yeah. buy my first magic booster. So did you like go into that store, buy your first magic booster, and then set up shop across the street? Uh, <laughs> within uh, within a little while, yeah. <laughs> well, I was within about six months, but they they were fully cooperative. We they used to give away flyer trash for. How did that work? They didn't sell singles. Yeah. And they didn't run tournaments. They still don't. They run tournaments. They started. They sort of run. Started running some tournaments now, but it took them forever. No, our our best source of customers was actually the complete strategist. So they were just into miniatures and board games. Yeah. Role playing games, board games. I mean, they sold a lot of magic. They were a distributor, even. I mean, like they're still in business and everything, but it just seems like wouldn't you kick yourself for nineteen years of missing the boat? (laughs) I mean. I'm sure, but I mean, I, I guess they—I guess they just didn't know how to get into singles. I don't I know. Mean, think about like a. So this is strange to me, right? So I have a good friend who we used to work together on the dojo, and then 
he got this job right out of dojo where he started working in Midtown Comics, right? So he started working on the Midtown Comics website. This is like 1999. He's still there, right? Yeah. He's like Now he's like the IT director of sure. Midtown Comics. But Midtown Comics had substantial um, expansion in the last 15 years, right? So They don't run magic tournaments, do they? No. They have, three crazy. St- they have three stores, so, crazy. so much space, three hugely successful stores. They have a national presence. Like, for a while, they wanted me to, like, you know, run a, just, like, off the side or whatever, like, yeah, run yeah. a national marketing campaign for them, etc. And it, it strikes me, like, I go, and I'm, you know, paying for my comics and leaving, and their singles binder is, like, one binder next to the door. <laughs> and I'm like, this makes no right. sense. And it, it, and from one hand, you got to be like, do they not know what they're doing? Oh, a model, <laughs> a novel that you noticed. Know but then and again, they own a warehouse in Queens full of comic books. You know, right. like their core their core business is to sell graphic novels. Right. You know, so but there's but they could probably also set up and have a thousand square feet there so that they could run a pre release out. Of yeah, the, the thing or a oh my god, even think about that. <laughs> Or a PTQ. You know, think about like of like the hobbyish game stores in the New York area. Like they're wildly the most successful, right? Sure. They've they've gone from one store to three stores. Yeah. All the stores are so, huge. Like, so I've been playing Friday Night Magic. Yeah. At Montesi Comics. Yep. On like, I guess on Fifth Avenue and like 38th or 39th Street. Second floor comic shop that yeah. has awesome Friday Night Magic. Right, we talked about it last week with some strange yeah, yeah, some strange dresses. Yeah. I got yelled at for not going to Brooklyn for twenty sided store. But I love twenty sided store in Brooklyn. But I'm not going to Brooklyn for my friend. Who yelled at you for this? Someone on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know. In Brooklyn. I'm like, I'm not going to Brooklyn, but that's fine. Um, I I actually, I'd probably play more match tournaments in Brooklyn than in in New York, because that's where Alex's store is. Right. Does Alex still own that store? Yeah. Yeah. Now he's just doing, like, sci-fi writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he does some some work in the gaming industry and stuff like that. Um, So he still owns the store. Yeah. As far as I know, he does, yeah. The... Uh, but they they run this great Friday Night Magic show. But it's like, but they're no they're nowhere. They I mean, and they crush it. Like you know, you go on Friday night for for drafts, yeah. and it's like at four o'clock they just start running eight person drafts in the afternoon, and then like they just fire them off. Like the last time I was there, they ran like eight drafts, which is pretty insane. Yeah, you know, one night. It's um, like old school. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And they're just a really good crowd, nice mix of people. You like know, notable players, people I know or not? I mean, you, you definitely we definitely recognize a bunch of. I mean, Fernando was there, and Josh McGee was there, yeah. and Kevin On showed up, and so you know, but not pro level, but not players. notable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pair, pair of different, a couple different. Re- I was thinking about like playing Thursday Night Magic uh, at uh, one of these stores on like Twenty First Street or something. Uh, that's uh, they play. Their standard tournaments on like Thursday nights or something. And I, what store is this? I don't know. I was, I was just thinking about it. Like, I just wanted to like be more active in like playing local tournaments. I've never put. What year is it? Twenty years in, I've still never played a Friday Night Magic. Yeah. People don't believe me. I've yeah. never played one. Um, we. I used to play. I guess on Friday nights before they called it Friday Night right, Magic. Right, right. You certainly played in some Friday Night Seals at our store. Yeah, but it wasn't Friday Night no, Magic, wasn't. right? So Friday Night Magic didn't become weaponized until after I was married. Right. You know, or so it, got, it was actually Friday Night Magic launched. The weekend of Grand Prix Philadelphia, the first one. The one that you got big at? Yeah. So I did not play that weekend either. Um, I played in the Grand Prix. Yeah. 
I won the Grand Prix trial the next day, which tells you how well I, <laughs> I did at the Grand Prix. <laughs> that was actually one of the best stories ever. Um, I'm playing... So, the... The Tongo guys are playing White Weenie, right? Like, remember, Pete Lyre actually went undefeated on day one until yeah, he... Yeah, what was that deck called? It was... White Weenie. No, 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 no. They had some... Oh, Sally or something? Because Soul Warden looked like Mike Long's wife or girlfriend, oh, okay. right? It was called, like, Sally. Okay, yeah. so they're planning to play White Weenie. So, um... I'm playing against Becker, and Mike Long walks up, and uh, whatever deck he's playing, or we're playing, we're playing tricks or whatever, and I'm playing Hatred with uh, Skittering Scourge and Vampiric Tutor, as well as Demonic Consultation, and Mike Long tricks me into buying him a Vampiric Tutor, and I just paid for it and gave it to him. How much does a Vampiric Tutor cost now? <laughs> I, oh my god, I don't even know. That's a lot, right? It was like 10 or like $15 back then. He's just like, go get me a vampire tutor. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I just did, and that's the end of the story. And so, and so, Pakula's like, I'm not sure if we should shun you for playtesting with Mike Long or celebrate you because Mike Long did not make day two because he played your deck. <laughs> that was what, <laughs> It's like, I'm not sure about the outcome from our crowd. Yeah. Um, I should have shunned you. Should have shunned me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was sure, friends sure. with Becker, yeah, you know. And I know. He's like, for whatever reason, Becker's a, a Tongo crowd. It's true. It's true. I don't know. So your iPhone happened. as well is like the nice OS. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. So what it could mean is that I my life is not as dependent upon electronic devices as it should be. It, like or should, it could mean the exact opposite. <laughs> but because it all went super smooth, but maybe that just means I don't have enough crucial like life data on my phone. Look, I'm telling you. My cosplay pictures from Comic-Con two years ago got erased when I... Oh, that looks so good. It's ridiculous. Oh, my God. Look, the, the animations of just moving from screen yeah. to screen are so nice. Yeah, this is... Also, want to see me close an app? Yeah. Oh, my... Oh, my God. It's just... It's like I lived in a cave my whole life. It's the yeah. first time I saw the sun. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, it's so funny. My wife's like, you know, on her iPhone or something. She's like, I don't, she's like, I don't know, this is not working. I'm like, well, you have the most, like, this is not seven. Yeah. I'm like, you have the most recent software update? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, going to her settings, and it's just like all red lights and fly. Like, please. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have four. <laughs> please upgrade your So I, I just always have like an excuse, right? So here are my excuses. Um, I'm lazy. No, like uh, last year I didn't want to update it because the people at, at, at MBA.com were really not very reassuring to me because I was just like, I'm not going to pay a second. I'm like, if I upgrade my software, will I have to pay another license to watch, you know, NBA, right? So I have the NBA app. And they're like, we'll credit you. And I was like, I don't believe you. You are not, you are not reassuring to me. So the uh, NBA season has been over for, you know, five months now. I still haven't updated. Who's this guy talking about compiling his list of objectionable material? What? I don't read it to me. So, I just finished compiling my list of objectionable material. Seriously, though, thanks for. I didn't. I can't read it. You keep moving your finger. Take the time to get back to me. We got back to him about objectionable material. I probably said something. I don't remember this. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I get a lot of ads. Is that Patrick? What's he saying? So I was involved in a debate today with Wrong Way Go Back. Yeah. Where he was just asking if 1971 was the best year for music. 
and my claim was that 1977 is the best year for music. I'm sure you're going to claim something like 1993. 1993? Yeah. That's the year Exile and Guyville came out. Yeah, and that's why I said 1993, jerky. Uh, I don't and think P- I And PJ Harvey album, and... I mean, 93's an actual very good year. I would probably pick a 60s year, though. Like, yeah. I'm a big fan of, like... I'm actually a huge fan of Revolver. I love Sgt. Pepper. I don't care if yeah. people think it's cheesy. I mean, that band put out a lot of 67 67's actually a pretty insane year. Uh, I might go with that one. Let me think for a second. 85 isn't bad. What's an 85? Like a virgin. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> go away. Aha, uh-huh, take on me. Uh. <laughs> no. Okay, so it might be 84. So we go 84, we have... Uh, you have uh, Duran Duran with the reflex. You're, you're not allowed to discuss Wham, this any longer. make it big. <laughs> you're no longer allowed in this discussion. Oh, it's a, what year was uh, If You Leave by OMD? That was playing the first time I made out with a girl. I'll never forget That's, it. Is that 85? I'm 84, 85. 84, 85. It's from, I mean, it's, from, it's from Breakfast Club, right? No, it's from like Pretty and Pink. Oh, it's from Pretty and Pink. I'm sorry. I, I have a soft spot for being nine years old, okay? Yeah. Like it's a... Uh, I was older than that, and I liked those songs. So it was fun. Um, the best year for music? I think it's... T- I mean, how do you pick one year for music? I, completely. I just put my foot down on 1977. So for what for what reasons? Uh, Elvis Costello's My Aim is True, The Clash, um, you know, just... I was going to say I mean, 2005. The Wire. I mean, Wire, not The Wire, Wire. What year was uh, The Strokes' first album? I really like that. I think it might have been nice. Two thousand one. I really like that album a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of my all-time favorite albums. It's just pretty. It's just pretty interesting. It's also like definitely what music you like. Like a lot of people are very upset with me because like I don't put a lot of weight on Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. Like when I was in high school, I hated people who listened no, to Led actually, Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, and I was very much more into like I. I basically went from pretty like like. Heads up, like just kind of straight on Billy Joel type stuff. I like that. To well, yeah, but you know, and then went to like completely into like punk new wave, like so, Elvis Costello and I'm the age of someone the Clash who, and whatnot. You know, like the Dil- jam. Dylan is out of his prime for 30 years. By the time the people my age are talking about how great of a poet Dylan is, right? Sure. So, um, I, I actually this reminds me of something where. Teddy Card Game last week on Twitter comes out and he publicly is like, you were right about Taylor Swift. I like him. Taylor Swift's like the second best living songwriter in the English language. She is she is banal beyond belief. She is a phenomenal songwriter. She's not. And I think she's that... Not, she's not. She's actually a talentless hack. Okay, so... With a face like a pretty ass. Okay, I just want to... <laughs> so my argument is that, first of all, the predominance of music critics don't agree with you. Yeah, but Which is irrelevant, I understand, yeah. to your opinion. I would just say this. I think that you might actually agree with the thing that I have. That, so I think that the quality of a poet is, in particular... Uh, if they put, if they dot their eyes with no, hearts? Gauged by how well they can convey sorrow more than other, other emotions. But you just don't think that the experience that she immortalizes is particularly important or relevant. I don't... I just don't think it's at all not been done before by a million 
songwriters who are who churn out songs for boy bands and girl bands and but that's not the that's not the work that she does. I did not take her seriously until I literally saw a sixty minutes thing about like she's actually just one of the greatest songwriters in the world. I just went and listened she's, to music. She's it's just fantastic. She, like to hold her up against the likes of Elvis Costello yes, or Paul Westerberg like or Joni frickin' Mitchell or like you know, anybody who's like uh, an artist working in music is just embarrassing. I, I think. I mean, I mean, it's why. I mean, I you're can, obviously I entitled can, to, to I can appreciate. I understand her work. that you think that like the folk struggles that Joni Mitchell talks about are a more important or higher level thing to be sorrowful about than a teenage no, girl saying, getting her heart broken by it, a football player. But that is that is a universal feeling uh, no, that is no, held by no. a different group I'm saying, of people. I'm saying that the way that the artist evokes that expression is what matters. And she does it in this kind of sugar pop on the surface I, way that's not very deep or meaningful. I, I, that's, I mean, it's just done out of a rhyming dictionary. Her, I mean, I think that I think it might be I can fair hear, to say... I can hear her lick her finger and start flicking the pages of her rhyming dictionary as her songs progress. I... I think that you probably might not be familiar with her oeuvre uh, in total. And I, I'm telling you, I would have never, two years ago, I would have been like, well, shut up, Taylor Swift. Too many people. Among other things, I would have just invoked the classic Mike Flores, too many people like this thing for I, I me also, to like I it. also invoke okay. this. Okay. So, I also invoke this. But let's just be clear about something. I don't like things that other people like. Okay. okay? And I have long been a proponent of various kinds of, let's say, indier female artists than she is. Okay? Yeah, to hold her up as a songwriter okay. to Liz Fair. Okay. I I don't know to what degree you're going to start punching me or something. Oh, I'm going to punch you. But Taylor is a hundred times the songwriter that Liz Fair is right now. Have you listened to her Bollywood album that got her fired from her from her, her record label? No. She's just off the rails bad now. And she, I, I would never in a million years take away the fact that she is among the most influential female songwriters of all time. You know how I feel about yeah. this fair. But if you want to measure skill in 2013, Taylor has her lap so many times, it's, it, it's embarrassing. I mean, I love Somebody's Miracle, which was not her not successful commercial album. She came out like in, whatever, 2006 or so. Uh-huh. So Liz Fair, Liz Fair came out. I remember when I bought it. It was still a CD. And I had... Fiona Apple's When the Pawn in my CD player at the time. Like, to date myself, I owned a CD player. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at it, and Fiona Apple's When the Pawn is in... It's like, obviously not maybe, for most people, a top five album of all time. It's a top five album for me. It's a, you, do you know this album? Yeah. It's really good. So yeah. my, I, It's one of my wife's favorite albums. I look at this album, which is in my CD player, and I'm unpacking the die box of <laughs> Liz Fair's Fair, and I say to myself, literally out loud, what do you think the chances are that the album I'm taking out of my CD player will be matched in skill by the album I'm putting in, right? So it was not. But it wasn't bad, right? But her next album, Somebody's Miracle, which is uh, was not commercially successful. Liz Fair, Liz Fair is very commercially successful, right? So that was her attempt to be commercially Here, successful. Here, all right, here's, hold up Taylor Swift's best album. To what? Exile and Guy. They're different. Hold it up in terms of songwriting. Um... How old am I? And the reason I ask this is perfectly call spade a spade. A lot of the stuff that we like about Liz Fair is juvenile. We like it because 
it was edgy when it came out. Like, she had pictures of her boobs in Exile and the Guy Bill. It no. talked about doing your girlfriend. No. No? No. I mean... I mean, I, like, I, I enjoy... I, enjoy I mean, that didn't things. give you a thrill, like, when you were listening to it 20 years ago? I mean, in the sense of someone who it's like is being in a puerile sense. I mean, no, but not puerile. It wasn't puerile at all. It was. It was, it was actually realist. It felt really emotionally resonant. You think a lyric "I'll fuck you and your girlfriend too" is an emotionally resonant lyric? It's. I think that that's just like blatantly a shock lyric. I mean, I, I, I like it. Don't get me wrong, but like, she's keying on stuff, right? So sure. It, it's no. You look. I mean, but, but again, no again, again, she's a fa- beautiful blonde one of my favorite, woman. One of my favorite. One of my favorite uh, albums of all time is the first Pretend Yourself. Right. Which songs are on that? Precious, um, Tattooed Love Boys. Uh, I'll be honest with you. My my understanding of the Pretenders yeah, is is largely based on how much they were hanging out with Sheryl Crow in the early two yeah, thousands. Yeah, no, this is this is this is nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. I think. Um, but it's um, Brass and Pockets on the album, but that's. Not a great song. I, I mean, I don't love that song. But anyway, but her lyric, I mean, very much similar to Liz uh, Fair, right? Like, has these really kind of like provocative uh, lyrics. Like, she, you know, um, she talks about like someone showing her what that hole was for and some other stuff that's, you know, really, but, it, but it's shocking, but like it works within the tapestry of the, of the song that I am she's not writing. Taking anything away from Liz Fair. The fact that she said that stuff, etc., was groundbreaking in a sense, right? Right. For what she was doing. But you can't take away the fact that part of what is engaging about it is the fact that there's this ostensibly cultured, intelligent, obviously beautiful woman talking in a way that we're not used to, right? Sure. Okay, and... I think I, I grew up in Brooklyn. I was pretty used to it. So I mean, like, like in terms of like the spectrum of of uh, of female singer songwriters that you know I would observe at the time, like Amy Mann's my favorite. I wouldn't necessarily say that she's the best of them. She's my favorite. I admire her the most. But I think the most another skip- another female songwriter who's much who's more better talented, than Taylor Swift. Much more talented. But I mean, I think Dar Williams is the best of the group. Like by I far. I've never really listened to. Dar she's. I, but I know you've recommended. But the thing is, like, you have to buy into certain things. Like, do you think that the if you believe that the experience of a child and her experience of falling in love with and losing a, a, a cherished babysitter as she gets older is worthy of commemoration or like a girl playing Peter Pan or like playing wooden swords as if she were a boy and then getting older and then like having to put on a training bra or something and, and ha- experiencing changes in her body are not worthy of immortalization, then you're not going to buy into the... Actually, you probably would, because she, she's like... Uh, a lot of her songs are about, like, commercialization of music and radio yeah, stations. Yeah, okay. and, and, uh, and like, uh, like, my wife says, like, you know, only someone who actually has engaged in many years in, like, therapy could have written this. And she's this great song. I'm sold. This great song <laughs> about being in therapy. She's like... 50 minute hour like all these things yeah, yeah. Like, like that you have to you have to be part of a certain cultural experience in order, in order to have I, I think she's the best of, of the female singer songwriters in terms of skill she's probably not the best in terms of of like force and message right so I mean even, a lot of people are like you know even Ani DeFranco who's like overtly political is just a poor man's Joni Mitchell in, in a sense right so 
And I also think that's not fair. It's not her fault that she's 20 years younger, right? Sure. And that somebody did this before. She's also very skilled. I think, I think all of these women are highly skilled. And I think that you're, I think that you're needlessly restrictive with regards to Taylor because you just don't care about the things she's writing about. And she, and you might, and I think it's fair. You're like, oh, fine. People who write teen bop music or whatever have written about these topics in the past. She does so very well. Like, extremely well. And it's like saying, you know, there's been slapstick comedies before. They're not 30 Rock, okay? Like, 30 Rock doesn't do anything that other people do except for just a way better. I'm sure that I've listened to less Taylor Swift than you. Yeah. But I would say that my sampling assures me that this is not the the 30 Rock of Of, teen pop. Of teen pop? I mean... It is not. It's interesting. I used to hang out with this... uh, this singer-songwriter, and she was asking me about the song Suddenly I See by KT Tunstall, which is like a, a her big commercial hit. Sure. Came out with that Jennifer Garner uh, movie a few years ago. Yeah. And I, I just like started to do one of my like uh, monologues that I prepare in my head for all different topics of things that I decide I'm going to be opinionated on. I'm like, well, this is really not representative of KT Tunstall's music. And, um, you know, Teddy Cardgame actually got me into KT Tunstall, yeah. and she's phenomenal. She's really, really good. And, you know, I just blah, 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 blah. And she's like, I actually, I was going to say how I really like it. And, <laughs> uh, and, you know, I mean, you know, like I said before, I I, I have this barrier. People like things. I, I don't like them a lot of the time. I yeah. I, I, I think I I want to like things that are different. I, I think that gives you, you as well, like, this illusion that we're cultured in a way that, well, your opinion couldn't be that refined if millions of people share it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that you're you're giving Taylor Swift short shrift. That's, that's okay. my... It's my my assessment. I think that. I think that. I mean, I, I, I want to turn her songs off when they come on the radio. Why is it that Adele is celebrated at a certain level and Taylor Swift is uh, not? Because Adele has an aesthetic that's much more appealing to me, and and has uh, her her songwriting tends to. Uh, I mean, first of all, they should both date each other. So that they would, and then break up. It would and destroy. Then they, it would, it would just. Yeah. If, what if they were happy? It would destroy all of their songs, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, Adele, Adele to me just has a much more nuanced view. So if, I, I, a if much more nuanced me, view of the world, and a much more emotionally complicated um, inner life if, than than Taylor Swift. If does. you were to say to me, Adele is a much more skilled technician and deliverer of song. I would agree with you. Yes. Okay. And her, I mean, her, the aesthetic, yeah. the musical aesthetic, yeah. sort of the Nancy Sinatra. She's got a layering like, in her execution yeah, that Taylor Swift doesn't even come yeah. close yeah. to. Okay, I agree with you. I don't think she comes close to Taylor as a songwriter, right? So, like, what's your opinion of Christina Aguilera? In terms of, like, an executor, she's the best. Yeah, I don't care for her. Her really. range is, like, like everything. You've got to understand something. Yeah. First of all, my favorite, like, two musicians. Yep. Or two or three musicians are Elvis Costello, who has, has a nice voice, but is certainly not, you know, the most technically gifted singer in the world for his, you know, for his lyrics. You like his, his perspective. First perspective. And Paul Westerberg, who is not a very good singer. <laughs> so I don't give a, I don't give yeah, a shit. Like, I don't give know, a shit about technical. Christina Aguilera is just the most technically sure. skilled singer yeah. among yeah. all pop stars. Yeah, and she's, and it's universally yeah. acknowledged. And and she's not a very you know insightful person. I like what I see. Yeah, and I, I like even, Really? You like what you see? Yeah, I she looks got... like a troll doll. No. I mean, you know. I mean, I don't know. Like, what about ten years ago? Maybe ten years ago. Um, 
I don't know, like, 40-year-old, uh, 40-year-old Cheryl Crow knocked everyone else off the planet. I mean, she's, like, 50 now. You can't yeah. blame someone for being 50. I'm not blaming her. It's I'm, not, no. 40-year-old Cheryl Crow is unbelievable. Christi- I'm, I'm blaming Christina Aguilera for having, like... Children? Sh- no, no, <laughs> like, just, like, strawy blonde hair that she doesn't know enough to sort of... I don't want to get into, into this, but, yeah. like... You know, she just doesn't. She, you know, she's like locked into some look that she, that she maintains was without cool any when she kind was 17. of. Yeah, without she maintains without any kind of like. It seems like. I'm always perspective. so tickled by the things you choose to love and hate. <laughs> you have such a low bar for things that you like in some cases, and then you just have vitriol for things we that talk are quite about, good. Can we talk about how much I like Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> Shark punching movie. You're like, oh, it's so good. It's it the is, best it shark punching movie that's ever been made. I, I don't believe I've said that, but I mean, it is. <laughs> like, I mean, like, the core. You like that one? I, I love the core. Yeah, yeah. So, Canadians, you, you, this you don't know about the pro tour historian. He loves and will defend to his death these awful things, and then will just rail about how awful something great is. That's what I don't. I really. You can have whatever opinion you want. Of course. <laughs> like, bedeviling to me. I'm bedeviled. That's my goal. Yeah, so... Um, so magic. <laughs> so Actually, this is a new topic for us, right? I wonder how people will like this. Because our average podcast comment is, I don't even give a hang about cartoons, comic books, or NBA, but I would listen to you talk about it all day. So I wonder... If how Christina Aguilera's yeah, hair... <laughs> I wonder how lesbian chick rock is going to play with our crowd. There's only one way to find out. Um, that's I don't gathering. What? What do you? So what do you like in standard? Do you, do you like the mono red deck? That's what you. I, like? I want to try. To, I really want to try to. I would like you and I to try to collaborate and build some sort of non-blue red deck. Non-blue red deck. Yeah, non-blue. Red. Like, gonna, I want to try to build like this kind of like black white gray merchant. I like I like black white oh black white gray merchant black white gray merchant that, I mean, <gasps> black white gray yeah exactly merchant. there you go it's just going to be a mono black gray merchant deck with uh, Angelica Accord. well I was actually just thinking bog brew witch combo right I mean is there any way we can cheat a planes like oh we can just play the black well, you white eight, you can eight lands I'm not I'm not playing the one that's actually with, it's scries yeah right? it's scries I guess I'm down that's that's actually good. They're, they're playing. I, I want to play Dark Prophecy pretty badly in that attack. Underworld Connection is only one less black, and it's so much more effective, right? Okay. We don't need to have a bunch of idiots, right? That's the thing. Like Dark Prophecy only works if you're like covered with idiots. So like if you're just sacrificing a bond, a festering nude every turn. I mean, look, I understand that we have idiots. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't need to have idiots. So is, is there any way that you could? Uh, what's the card? Is it a Mortal Servitude? <laughs> Is that the... That's the it's, Orzov, Orzov, Orzov? Yeah. X. What are we getting with this? Four festering newts? <laughs> Look, I'm going eight. <laughs> All the gray merchants are coming into play. You see Aaron Sweet today? She's like, my favorite Greek myth is when the gray merchant of Asphodel got the... The Ashen Rider. Yeah, got the Ashen Rider back from the underworld. It's such a harrowing journey. <laughs> yeah. Done. I think Ash Rider is probably too expensive for this. But, you know, mid-range black decks are powerful against decks that are less powerful than they are. And they just get completely knocked over the top by decks that are over the top powerful, right? Right. That one was a doppelganger for your wife. No. I missed it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. This was, like, years ago, obviously, when Amelie first came out. Yeah. I just had this, like, big, uh, I don't know, like, uh, 
downloaded like an Amelie poster. I guess I like Amelie. I yeah. Know. I don't know. I don't my desktop at work. Someone's like, oh, is that your wife? <laughs> I was just like, yes, it looks exactly like my wife. I agree. Um, but so. Uh, you don't you don't like the big red deck though? I can, I could be persuaded. I I mean, so this is the way I look at the world right now. Is there any is there anything else that's reasonable that punishes people's mana? There's encroaching waste. There's ember swallower. Is there anything else? I mean, there's demolish, right? Would we demolish? People have demolished. I'll demolish. I mean, there's the red. There's like the red cryoplasm. Well, yeah, the red cryo. I mean, you certainly can have four of those in the sideboard. This is what I don't like about it. So you're playing against the Adam Yurchik red deck, and you're your red deck. Like, the I've, games I've, that you go first, you have like a 75% chance I've, of beating I've, I've them. I have Museum Orders, Anger of the Gods, Magma Jet, you tell me, and Boros Reckoner. Oh, well, Boros Reckoner is a big game against them. Yeah. They have like <laughs> literally no way to beat it, right? Like, I mean, not without two-fawning themselves. They're like, okay, I guess I'll lightning strike it. Excellent. Kill your guy. Oh, wait, so I'm just going to play Boros Reckoner my blue-red control deck. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> but you keep in mind, that's RRR. You, you know, you don't get the Boros advantage there. You know what I mean? It's, it's all ours. I get the Boros advantage if I say I get the Boros oh, advantage. okay. All right. I don't get the Boros advantage. <laughs> you don't, don't tell Brian. You're just like RRR. <laughs> Maybe my deck splashes blue. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying that like, if you're going to go blue, you can't play. You might not be able to play Dissolve. That's all I'm saying. I hate you. How can you even suggest this? You couldn't play Frostborn weird, though. <laughs> God, you and your Frostborn weird. Like a week from now, I'll be like, yes, once I... again, Flora's Frostborn weird has proven successful in the tournament practice Flo- room. Flora's burn weird? <laughs> yeah, Flora's uh, yet another tournament practice room opponent vanquished. <laughs> I, and then, as you can see here, this is the turn where I Triton's tactics, my two phone weirds, <laughs> and attack for the win. Blowout! <laughs> Alright, uh, for Christina Aguilera, for Amy Mann, for Fiona Apple, and for Taylor Swift. <laughs> This has been Brian David. I'm gonna go punch a shark. <laughs> shark punching Brian David Marshall and me, Michael J. Flores. Stop magic. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>